Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Creative Control with Beach Comic. My guest today is Michael Fierstack, a well-respected, sophisticated, and possibly even underrated singer, songwriter, and musician based in Montreal. Uh, for many years, Mike played in an Ottawa-based band called The Wooden Stars and also nurtured his own project, Snail House. Well, last year, Mike released an LP called Tambourine Deathbed. It's the first record he ever released under his own name. And he's already set to put out a new collaborative record on April 19th. It's called Singer Songer. And he's also scheduled to play uh, Kazoo Fest in Guelph between April 9th and 13th. Uh, and I'm sure Mike will have more tour dates to follow. Uh, Mike and I spoke in the fall of 2013, and I just had not had a chance to uh, to share this with the world. As it turns out, the timing right now is perfect. Announcement about a new record, which we actually talked about. I, I learned about this record, uh, Singer Songer, in the fall. But uh, as I say, just hadn't had a chance to uh, share it yet. Here it is, myself and Mike. Mike's a very smart funny, thoughtful guy. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. You're, you're also going to hear a song from Mike's last record, uh, Tambourine Deathbed, on, on the show. And uh, yeah, oh, and uh, Mike and I here are in my living room. Unprecedented. All right, enjoy the show. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Her, Nebraska, Zoolander, Invisible Woman, Twelve Years a Slave, and more. On Wednesday, February 26th, The Folk and Folly and the Hunter play the E-Bar. And on Sunday, March 2nd, at 3 p.m., Anne McPherson celebrates the release of her novel, The Hedge, just hours before the E-Bar throws an Oscars party. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Kids are on the skateboards in the parking garage Smoking right in front of the camera Went down there an hour ago, but no one was around. Friday night. Friday 
is the first time I've it done is. one of these in my living room. How does it feel? Uh, a little invasive. <laughs> feels like a slight imposition. Who's invading whom? <laughs> no, I'm very comfortable, actually. I feel yeah. pretty good. I could probably even do one of these, lean back. This is actually very comfortable. Yeah. Normally, I'm in my office and we're on the phone, or sometimes uh, I go and meet people. No one's really... Only a couple of people have come to me, um, and then we've gone elsewhere. But I thought it's kind of a cool autumn day. You know, I thought you and I might sit in my backyard. It would have been nice, like but it's... It's cold. It's, it's a little cold. chilly. Yeah, it's a little chilly. So I thought I'd. It's cold. Almost, I would almost go as far as to say too cold. Well, and I don't want to be. We're old now, so we talk about the weather maybe more than we should, or maybe <laughs> we're growing into that. But it has been weird, strange, like hot, humid, and then all of a sudden I don't know what it's. It's like fifteen degrees outside or something. Yeah. So it's no good. I mean, it's fine though. I mean, we're hardy. We're hardy dudes. But I just thought. It's cold in here, actually. You're finding cold in the house? Yeah, but I have my jacket on, so I'm fine. But yeah, we've been kind of slow on the furnace stuff. It's it's as I say, the weather's too weird. You never know when to turn it on. So I hear you. I'm not, not. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean it as a complaint. No, it's I didn't take it as just, one. It was just a fact. It is a true fact. Sometimes I say true fact, and I think of you. <laughs> Did you coin that? <laughs> you, you one uh, time you wrote to me and you or you said something to me and you said, "Oh, it's a true fact," and I always it just always sticks with me. And then anytime I use it now, I think of you. I actually often, uh, that's something I've thought about a lot in my life, actually, the truth of facts. Because hmm. for something to be a fact, it doesn't need to be true. Like, um, the sky is white. Yeah, that's not, but that's not true. No, but it's a fact. How is that a fact? It's a format. It's, it's presented as fact. Wait, just because you just I mean, what it? is truth? I'm just presenting you with a version of a thing. Right, okay. I, you know, sometimes... And I, I would describe that as a fact. I'm giving you... A, I'm providing you with a fact. Maybe it's not true. The thing about the sky is white is that sometimes the sky well, can be yeah, white. yeah, that was a terrible example. Okay. <laughs> Seagulls are purple. Right, right. Although I'm sure there is some iridescent well qualities yeah and i think if there's ever like a but you get my point if there's like a, a welch's ship liner that has some kind of disaster <laughs> right 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 there will probably be right. purple seagulls right and that'll juice be awful spill. yeah there's a juice spill <laughs> yeah it'll be awful i shouldn't Could even be happen. joking about this you never know what's possible in this day and age <laughs> you and i are both uh somewhat uh i think we're well you in particular because uh, 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 we sh this should really be about you but slightly uh, cynical, observant. We're I, you are a very observant songwriter, an observant person. Absorbent. And <laughs> oh, observant, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> in the event of a Welch's juice spill, <laughs> you would come in handy because of your absorbency. Um, no, but you're. It's hard to sometimes be uh, living on the planet. I find because there's so much bad stuff happening all the time. Yeah. And and some of that comes through in your work. I think, um, kind of like the human dynamic of just like persevering like how do we get through everything mm -hmm. and i'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how that comes through on your new record which is comically and darkly titled tambourine deathbed right <laughs> <laughs> so can you just try to parse out a question yeah yeah make make it a little more uh specific I because just, I'm, i don't know where to begin I, right I i feel like well it's early and yeah. you just had coffee. I know that. And not even a full one. Yeah. How is the coffee I made? Great. Maple, I told, maple -y. 
It's maple. Yeah, I, I picked that up from Steve Albini. He showed me how to make coffee once, and I put maple syrup in people's coffee now. And it's it, good. Is it actually good? It's really good. You don't have to lie to me. I'm not. <laughs> it's a true fact. That <laughs> coffee is really good. My point is that you have, uh, you sometimes convey uh, this critical analysis within your work. Uh-huh. And um, when I hear this record, uh, which is your first as Michael Fierstack since you've been Snail House for a long time, fairly solitary affair it seems um darker in some ways than some of your other work maybe because it's not housed in as much of a pop framework necessarily it's it's more direct yeah and that's all i'm getting at can you maybe talk about this shift in what what is it a shift in i don't even know yeah i don't know i mean actually um i would almost disagree i think that the record is actually has a lot of joy in it Hmm. and uh a lot of um, sort of like celebratory um, enthusiasm. And I think that what people are responding to as dark, because you're not the first, is actually just sort of a pensive quality and not as dark. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that there isn't, it's not dark and there's not a lot of dark humor on it and, and, and uh, dark other things that aren't so humorous. <laughs> But I think, but I, I, just, I think it's actually balanced with a lot more joy than some of my previous work. Musically, it might sound darker, but lyrically speaking, I think it's, um, yeah, it's more. It's actually more balanced. It's more full spectrum. And to me, that's the, that's the change. That's what's happened with changing, changing my name and sort of changing my, sort of I don't know. I guess for lack of a better word, persona or whatever, public persona. Or if something. you if you take some of the songs sort of literally, like if I take a song like "Leave Me Alone" kind of literally after you've gone solo, yeah, that seems a little. Dif- yeah, but I mean that song for me, it's that's sort of like a, a a duet between like a sort of a cantankerous male figure and the, a sweet, um, generous female figure, and it actually kind of uh, ends up in a kind of comfortable place i think who plays the female figure uh laurel sprengelmeyer of little screen little screen okay yeah. she sings all the all that those kind of backing vocals on the record and and is the other part of that duet so yeah i mean to me that's kind of like i don't i don't really like sort of talking about my lyrics in that way or getting into what they're about specifically but to me that's kind of how i i read that song if i if i was looking at that from the outside that's kind of how I, how I tried to put it out there, but I mean, definitely that that figure is a dark figure, you know. <laughs> okay, no, I I mean I I guess my <clears throat> all right. Let's go. What about the actual musical approach to it? Mm-hmm. Because I think that may also now that you've discredited my thesis about your record, <laughs> which is totally well, fair. I mean, no, I mean your your perception of it is totally valid. I'm just t- telling you what I think. I I thought I was trying to put out into. <laughs> Well, this is this is it also follows two records where you may have been at your at least in terms of music most accessible. I right. mean, there was some pop, you've always been really great at writing these pop songs, and people really admire you for them, and they're multi layered. And and uh, I'm always, you know, I get these phrases of yours stuck in my head all the time, and I don't quite know uh, how to shake them. And not that yeah. I've been trying, <laughs> I'm in some kind of therapy for it, but you do have this ability to do that, and then this one. I don't think that that infectiousness is lost because I'm still finding that mm-hmm. some of these things are stuck in my head, but but also they're not housed in as 
those kind of packages, those right. pop packages. Yeah. And I'm just curious if, because I want to talk a little bit more about the obvious question about why you would change your yeah. moniker and because that, whether you want to or not, that's a shift. But yeah. but this is definitely a musical shift from the last couple of records. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of that is, it's definitely par at least partially circumstantial. I, I decided to make a record at home. When I set out to make it, I, I had it in my head that I wanted to just kind of make a simple folk record and record it at home. And it's the first time I've recorded myself uh, for a record, which was a huge, hugely liberating and momentous thing for me. What'd you, what'd you do it? How'd you do it? Just at, at home on the computer. On the computer? Know, in the, yeah. yeah, in like a little office, you know. And I mean, some of the stuff, uh, the drums, for example, we did uh, at, at Jeremy's basement, Jeremy, who played drums on the record. But, and I didn't mix it myself, but just actually capturing all the performances was was my job for, for the first time ever. And it was really fun. So, but yeah, so, I mean, automatically drums aren't going to be a big part of the record because I recorded it at home. So it just has this sort of... Uh, folky aspect but i think um maybe just as a as a function of trying to avoid it being hokey you know and it, at the same time as being folky maybe it just ended up kind of dark in some weird way or something like that yeah i mean i mean i'm not trying to pretend that there wasn't some kind of like intention of of tone or theme behind it because there was but but yeah i don't know i i hear it i don't hear it as like a as like a dark dark record i i think it's weird it's got a lot of weirdness on it and it's pensive and it has a dark side but it also is balanced with a lot of uh levity okay you and i did an interview for sentimental gentleman and i remember feeling that during the interview during the conversation i felt like i hadn't done my research well enough and because when i and i didn't really feel that at the time actually i didn't feel it while it was happening i felt it after i listened to the record more i'm like oh why didn't i ask about that why didn't i ask oh. about this and I feel like that may have happened again. <laughs> well, I may be ill-equipped for this. <laughs> well, that's great. Which is fine. We can like, explore it together. I, I, and, and actually, in retrospect, though, I feel like, how would you describe your relationship with like interview this this dynamic where people are trying to talk about your work? Because I feel like now that we're sitting here talking about it, I feel like often you've been like, yeah, antagonistic. No, not and not even disagreeable. Right, just right. like. Clar you just clarify right or, or you're you're hearing things from people and maybe it's just me because right. i haven't sat in on any anyone else anyone else interviewing you but you seem to be like uh i don't know about that which is fine yeah it's i mean totally i just i think i'm just uh i'm like i'm probably overly obsessive about how i'm perceived and so i see these as an opportunity to kind of clarify sometimes so the the sort of like um i don't necessarily disagree with how you perceive sure. the record i just i just think it's interesting for me to counter it with what how i actually see it and and for to see what the difference is between those two things and to see like how what you know how big that gap is it's interesting it doesn't upset me or anything like that it's just i don't know but i it's really fun for me to have an opportunity to actually talk a little bit about what i intended with the record you of know? course yeah it's, i don't know why else would you want to yeah. do i mean i guess the optimal idea for some of these things is promotion but yeah i for mean you, sometimes it's, you know you just don't want to do this but this is fun so yeah when you say that uh, you want to kind of 
uh, address how you're perceived. Is there a general perception of Michael Fierstack and, and your past work? I think so, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if there's a general one, but there are, you know, lots of varying ways that people perceive me. <laughs> sure, no, no. Some of them are, I mean, they're probably all accurate to some extent, you know, and I can't really control. All I can really control is how I present myself and what I put out into the world. But, you know, I think... Uh, in music and in particularly in music uh, criticism, there's like a tendency to like just uh, things have to be categorized. I understand that you need, you can't walk into a record store and find what you're looking for without some kind of category. Like, you know, you could put me in the folk section or the rock section or the indie rock section or whatever, but you know, it's like I sort of resent occasionally being put into like the cardigan wearing cat petting category of the record store you know <laughs> like under f in <laughs> in like cutesy music or whatever you know I didn't that kind know of that thing. was a section yeah huh. well it is yeah okay. and uh you know that kind of thing so uh where where i obviously i think there is a lot of so if you know if, if you had come to me with that i would have probably emphasized how dark my music <laughs> yeah is. exactly i came the <laughs> other know? way yeah. yeah yeah so and I, so for me moderation is is like where i always kind of end up thematically and so so if you if you're talking about how dark the record is i I think it's probably just my mildly antagonistic nature to focus on the the levity i see i see i think man we just landed on something here possibly a true fact about me i think that maybe antagonism is the right word or (laughs) self-defense yeah maybe uh it's like a self-preservation thing because huh that's interesting has anyone got you completely? Has anyone in this situation actually like? Have you been like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly. Oh, um, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think, generally speaking, uh, at least I have the opportunity to talk like in depth about what I do, or, right. and to talk for an hour or with or half an hour or whatever it is with somebody about my work or even their work or whatever. Um, it just doesn't get to happen that often. So usually it's some kind of phone conversation asking me about why I changed my name and yeah. when I started the band and if I'm coming on tour to that town and, and what day and kind what, of what, and what can people expect from the show. And that kind of those kind of interviews are are pretty boring. And I generally well, I don't get asked to do enough of them to to feel like I need to like uh you know, temper temper the requests or anything. I I mean, I I've been following your work for such a long time now and i know that there's this this is a fault of mine too i kind of expect there to be or maybe project an edginess to your work when there maybe isn't sometimes and that may have happened with this record where i'm just like well it's mike i know mike a little bit and i know his work and i know that there's probably a lot going on here that i haven't figured out yet and it's probably coming from a slightly again cynical sounds like such a negative word but there is some cynicism within mm-hmm. you as a writer, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Probably. So I think sometimes that that's similar pigeonholing, just like yeah. similar, like, this is what we're used to. And um, the last two records seemed, in some, on some songs in particular, like anomalies. Right. Um, but at the same time, the more you got into them, you're like, oh, no, this is actually <laughs> just as... It's, it's dressed up pretty, but there's something right. sort of... Well, I've always... I've always, I mean, I really love pop music and I, and I like, you know, strong melodies and I like, um, pleasing sounds, you know, like, I don't think, yeah. uh, I don't like grating music generally speaking. 
Um, <laughs> so I mean, but I like depth, and I I want to make pop music that has depth, you know. And so, um, but I think on this new record, which is what I was talking about before, there's like there's a couple of songs on there that are actually just kind of really hippie, kind of positive, like hey things are kind of beautiful at this moment or whatever. And I think that that's just as valid to write a song about. It can be just as deep. And that's the one thing that I had never gotten to as a songwriter in the past, you know? So, um, what are some examples? So that's, I guess that's what I'm talking about. Sure. When we, as we started out this interview, what are but, some, some like examples? Like the song trees, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's kind of like this love song and it talks a lot about nature. It's like a pantheistic love song. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just, I don't know, I, I get kind of a kick out of it, but I also, I don't think it lacks depth. Like, I think it's like, it's not uncomplicated. And as a love song, it's not like flowery or overly uh, saccharine or anything. It's got a, a sad, sort of a sweet sadness that's just as profound as talking about how much people suck or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, right. or can, and can, has the potential to be just as profound, you know. you. So, I mean, for me, like, seeking out a full spectrum of emotional experience as well as a full spectrum of musical, you know, like there should be harsh spiky elements in the music and there should be uh, a, a warmth as well. And so for me, like balancing that entire spectrum is my, I think that's the new thing in yeah. what I do. Okay. Or what I'm, that's what I'm going for in a way that's new. You have a, uh You've had this interesting trajectory as an artist um, that I don't know if a lot of people are aware of, and I, I kind of want to go back to, like, as you're speaking to me, as you as you were answering the last question and speaking to, and at many other questions that weren't even asked, <laughs> but it did kind of bring to mind the idea that, you know, you've been on a kind of, oh man, it sounds awful, but you're you. I can see you coming to a point where all of the things you've done and all of the influences that have shaped you are now coming through almost like and have for some years because yeah. you started you were you just did you just got it you just did the thing you were asking about what if anybody ever quote air quotes got me oh did I do it yeah totally that I mean that's because I know you're planning to ask me about why I changed my name and all that stuff and you're you're hitting the nail on the head right now so. well I, so we can just shut this down and go have another <laughs> coffee but i actually want to talk a little bit about sorry i cut you off no no it's fine i i do want to talk about your kind of origin story because okay. you what i don't think many people know although it's been kind of reported in more recent years that you kind of come from hardcore punk mm -hmm. um when you were when where were you raised exactly in moncton in moncton new brunswick well i mean i you made that question harder to answer by adding exactly to it oh sorry but anyway yeah uh, the the era that you're talking about was in Moncton, New Brunswick. What era was that? Uh, well, when I was, <clears throat> uh, well, from about grade three until the middle of high school, or late high school. Uh huh. Okay, so grade three to middle of high school. Uh, when did you first get into music? Like when, when I was about fifteen, I guess. Or I mean, I was always into music, but that's when I joined my first band that that did anything. I was fifteen. So prior to 15, what kind of music were you sort of weaned on, if you if you will? Not that you may have been weaned on music. That's not nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean I I when I, as as a as a younger or as an older child, but a younger teen, I was kind of you know I didn't have a lot of experience of like punk rock or anything, but I was really into the Police and you know the things that were available to me were were pretty limited, but. 
I guess I remember the police, and I also enjoyed a lot of like top forty radio stuff, and like Tears for Fears, or you know that kind of thing. At sure. the time, there was actually like, you know, the top ten we recorded onto our tape recorders and stuff. But I used to do that. Yeah, right like, off the radio, I yeah, used to tape it. I all, think yeah. every everyone of a certain vintage did that. The first right. kind of um, file sharing, really. Yeah. Is that my son? Yep. Yeah, my it's lunchtime now, so there might be a bit. Just so people are aware. There may be a bit of a ruckus coming. Bring the ruckus. Bring he's gonna bring the ruckus. But yeah, then uh then my eyes were kind of opened when I you know, I got handed a couple of mixed tapes of various punk rock bands from uh, a good friend's older sister, you know, pretty classic stuff. So and then uh from there on out it was just that was my main musical interest for I guess a number of years. So you started playing uh, punk rock around did you say 15 yeah and what was the band the underdogs and who was in the underdogs that anyone we would know rick white of uh eric's trip and elevator to hell was the the only person that people would know now he's the only one who's sort of active making records okay. but then there were two other guys chris foreign and dan boudreaux okay and we made a couple of tapes i would almost said albums but we we made tapes that were available and sort of became weirdly uh, popular and cult, sort of a cult favorites to some people. And you sang? I sang only. Yeah, you only sang. I didn't even really play an instrument at that time. When did you start playing uh, music? Um, like playing an instrument? Yeah. I think. I mean, I always sort of thought I played guitar, but I couldn't. I wouldn't have actually been able to hold it together in a band or anything at that at that time. But then when my family moved away. A couple of years later, t- to a place where I had no friends, <laughs> and right. I, st- I still wanted to make music. So I, that's when I started actually getting my act together. Sorry, what's up? What's going on? You found your blue puck. Where was it? <laughs> it was on top of the stairs. Okay, good. Good work. <laughs> We've been looking for that blue puck a while. You got your hockey stick? You found it. Uh, he's been looking for that thing forever. We Every time you lose something with a kid, it turns up. We yeah. actually were missing one of our phones, like our handsets for yeah. like a cordless phone. And my wife swore he'd thrown it in the garbage. I'm like, he doesn't really throw stuff in the garbage, though. And it, sure enough, it turned up on that couch you're sitting in, like months which and months later. Which is not garbage. Which no, is not it's the a good, garbage. good This couch. is not the garbage. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. But we're finding stuff all over the place. Anyway, so you start uh, playing. Uh, so how long were you kind of uh, immersed in sort of punk? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's that's just another kind of one of those categories that's hard to like. You, you feel it's like not. It's, I mean, it's not irritating in any way. It's just sort of uh, limiting. Like I don't know how to. I don't know when that ended or started. You know? I suppose the yeah like, no. I mean, I was playing music like sort of like loud rock and roll music that's I what i yelling meant that's what i meant for only about those years when at that time and then we moved away and then i that's when i started making quieter music just because again circumstantially i was like in my bedroom at my parents house and i didn't want them to hear me and <laughs> i i didn't really know how to play so i was learning to play through trying to write songs which is what i always wanted to do did and you have teachers did you have guitar teachers or anything? no not no, no really yeah you're a very gifted guitar player, if I might say, and you, this well, is all self-taught. You. Yeah. 
wow <laughs> you just worked hard but how much time do you put into do when people hear self-taught they you know there's no orthodoxy to it they're right. just like ah, oh, some slacker just but how much time would you say you spent trying to teach yourself how to do these things well i mean i i wanted to write songs and playing well enough to accompany yourself to sing a song is not necessarily the most challenging thing in the world there's only like many years later that i started to even think of myself as an instrumentalist hmm. but so i mean i don't know about like hours i mean it doesn't feel like work and you certainly don't log the hours like when you're you know 17 and you don't have any friends and you just want to record a tape on your four track yeah, or yeah. whatever you know so i don't know i really don't know how to answer that you just spend a lot of time but like i mean were you doing others were you you're not one of these people that because some people they just that's all they did right they just no i guitar. mean but usually those people are sort of like come out the gates as like strong in instrumentalists you know like they're ripping guitar solos at the high school uh, exactly high school of talent show or whatever you know and that was not me okay. <laughs> at all did you play your when did you so you were playing sort of this louder as you described it you were yelling yeah you were yelling uh for a period uh in public yeah you play shows there's youtube evidence of some yeah. of these shows yeah um and at some point you started playing more quietly when did you kind of emerge as a quiet uh, like for in terms of performing yeah uh, i think i did a couple of things like i ended up playing well i was still in touch with the moncton community like rick white and, and julie Dwaron at that point uh i was in touch with them and i used to visit moncton pretty often because that's from the you know my closest friends were still living sorry from where you, from ottawa you would at move point. at some yeah. point you moved to ottawa yeah yeah sorry that was sort of middle of high school and that was sort of the end of the me being in that in the underdogs okay okay and um so we we did a lot of you know we when when i would visit moncton or they would sometimes come visit me and you know we'd all stay at my parents house and we'd set up the tape machine in the basement and sing on each other's songs and that's kind of, that was a big learning learning time so but so the only people i was really playing for were them like we'd sing with each other and stuff and then i guess a year or two later i got kind of the courage to play at a couple of i went to Actually, we did sort of talent shows at high schools, not even my high school, <laughs> just other high schools. You just crashing other high schools? Well, not even crashing, just, you know, I would know somebody and they'd be having some kind of, uh, you know, event with people, not open mic exactly, but that type of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and so I did a little bit of that. And my music, I think my music was always weird and probably very like poorly performed and i don't think it was over overwhelming for anyone but there were always a few people who really responded to what i did and always found that encouraging so and that just slowly grew and that's okay. what still happens today right and <laughs> and at some point you were operating a snail house at that point yeah like that happened very very early like the first when i first started releasing tapes i think i had like a releasing you know and when i say releasing i mean like sending it in the mail to 25 friends that's or, fine yeah you made tapes um so there was one before I was called Snail House, which never really, you know, it only had a circulation of about 10 probably. And then uh, and then I made one a year later that I called Snail House. And, it, and Snail, the name Snail House just came from an inside joke with, a, with another friend. And, it, you know, it was that kind of thing. I, I had made this music for just for my close friends. And so to call it, to, to base the, the name didn't matter. It was, it was nothing invested in it. You know, it was just... I'm going to call it this because he'll find that funny and the other people might find it interesting. And then, um, 
Yeah, and so there were, I guess there were like three like sort of full-length album-style tapes before I ever made a record or anything. Okay, and did you, these tapes that you made, did you make them yourself? Yeah. Like on a... I just dubbed them, you know, one by one, you know. No, I meant literally recording them yourself as well, or did you make them on Oh, a, yeah, yeah, on a four-track. On a four-track, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whoops, I'm destroying my living room yeah. lampshade. <laughs> just learning as, as you go, I mean, and that's what I'm doing again now, which is so fun. You know? Yeah, yeah, and... and as I said uh, earlier, when you said I got it, I feel like there's kind of a full circle aspect to this that mm-hmm. I'm slowly getting to. We're halfway around the circle, yeah. I think, now. But Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Eventually, you um, you became uh, uh, friendly with people and you made a band called The Wooden Stars? Yeah. Um, and this was at the same time that you had gotten quieter. Yeah. You decided to get louder to get louder at the same time, (laughs) but a different kind of loud. I mean, when I and I understand why you were deflecting my kind of punk question because I kind of feel like in a lot of ways you're still a punk. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's that's at the heart of what what my frustration with talking about it in those terms. Like, you know, like I consider like Little Richard to be punk. That's so do I. And and the Minutemen and Black Flag are definitely you know everyone says they're punk and they are they were you know uh in the you know a community together of of sorts but they don't sound anything like each other and they're not really the same style of music no not at all whatever that means so that's all i mean everybody who is into music knows those those kinds of subtleties but i just i find them difficult to no but i mean difficult to talk you would argue you would Okay, maybe punk is the wrong term. Um, I just meant transitioning from out of hardcore yeah. music into um, what you were doing as Snail House, right. and then I don't know what can you t- what can you say about what happened with the Wooden Stars? What what was that? Well, I was really uh, I I was you know I was in a new city with you know as a teenager it's a kind of a weird time in everyone's life I think yeah and I had a, you know I had some nice friends it wasn't like a sad sack situation or anything you know i had some good friends and but i was really hungry for like-minded musical people and and uh to have to just be really free in making music and do something really weird and not be try not be trying to play like Jimi hendrix or whatever but just to do music that we found exciting and not be sort of limited by the idea of um 
whether or not we were talented, you know. Sure. So, but um, anyway, so I then I I saw Julian Bayard playing at another one of these crazy high school talent show style things or whatever, and and I just totally fell in love with his musicality. It was amazing, and I'd never heard anything like that before, which is always the thing I've looked for in music, and and uh, yeah, and he was not particularly friendly, but I was I was persistent and outgoing at the time, and we we eventually kind of became friends and then well we became bandmates and then we became friends i guess okay he, i ran into him sometime later and he barely remembered me and said like oh don't you play something and I, and i was like yeah i play guitar man and and then he uh he, he said oh because we're looking for a drummer and i I just lied and said i played the drums too <laughs> <laughs> so so I, at our first band together i started playing the drums but it didn't take very long for it to become clear that we should both be playing guitar and writing and singing together. So, oh, okay, huh. and that's where the Wooden Stars was born, and the kind of born <laughs> hatched, just hatched onto yeah. the uh, planet. This band gained a lot of um, renown. Um, a lot of people love this band on, but it was it sort of operated on a relatively small level, mm-hmm. um, and eventually you guys won a Juno, which was kind of out of that seemed out of left field. Yeah, it was. <laughs> And uh, and it somehow it dissipated. It just eventually slowed down. It's yeah, I mean it's it's not it's really sort of a grueling and brutal thing to do with, and especially you know with the same group of people for um, you know x amount of years. There's like there's like a, a limit to how much you can do. Right, you get older and life gets in the way. But we did get back together later and make another record, which. Looking back now, I think kind of was more like unfinished business than anything. We had a lot of fragments and things that we wanted to see. Yeah, wasn't happen. it like nine years later after initially working on it or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, something. I'm making up a number. But it's funny, you know. I was I was talking about this last night with Tim Crabtree, who I'm on tour with, and we were talking about like the Rolling Stones and Pearl Jam, and everyone goes on about how it's amazing that these bands stay together for 20 years. I think it's actually pretty easy to stay together if you have your own hotel room and you're only spending time together when you're making music, you know, like yeah. if you're, if you're, wor- if you're fighting over who works the merch table and who loads the van and you're sitting 12 hours a day in a van and sleeping on people's floors and rehearsing together and trying to make records and not having any money. And, you know, there's all the frictions and stresses, stresses that come along with all those things. Like, of course there's a limit to how long yeah. you can work, you know, it's, it's, it's just math, really. Yeah, and, totally. But I mean, I think it would be pretty easy. Like the in, the Wooden Stars had been in that situation. There's definitely enough love between us and enough musical excitement that we could still be doing stuff. It's just that there's not the kind of response or like income generation sure, that, sure. that comes from playing those other bands. You and I don't get as much money as I do when I play with Pearl Jam, for example. <laughs> you were doing Snailhouse concurrent with. Um, the Wood Stars, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it always was kind of a side project. It was always like the sort of, like my sort of intimate, like music that I didn't that I didn't have to share the sort of creativity of it with other people. It was kind of a solitary thing, not intimate so much as solitary, I guess, and where I got to sort of lead things. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I put out records, but it, yeah, it was always subordinate. It's much easier to be motivated to do things when there's other people working towards yeah. it too you know so i didn't do a, that much touring or anything at that time and so when the wooden stars kind of stopped you kind of dove headlong into 
snail house stuff, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You, and I think this is true of the Wooden Stars too, and there's always a kind of infusion of humor um, mm-hmm. in the work. Yeah. Whether it's live in banter or whether it's in the songs themselves. Yeah. Do you think that kind of approach gets shortchanged or is still short? I, I feel like it was shortchanged for a long time. Like you couldn't take people who weren't taking themselves seriously. You couldn't take them seriously. Right, right. Whether they, if they had a goofy photo yeah. press shot or something yeah, yeah. or whatever. What about you? Like, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I think it's come around a certain way. I think like, I think there's definitely a part of my audience who like really loves that. And then there's other people who are probably a little disappointed to be sort of taken out of the mood of the songs or whatever. If you crack a joke in between songs or something like that. But for me, it's, I mean, it's not something that I've put a lot of like conscious thought into or anything. It's just, that's just my nature. Like I'm sort of a happy clownish guy. And so when I'm working, whether that's performing or recording or whatever, it's, it makes its way into it. So I I don't know. I mean, I do think that sometimes it kind of like spins people off in a direction where they're they're wondering if you're being serious or not. But I mean, I, I always sort of maintain that I, everything I do is like funny and not funny at the same time. And There's, I think that that's most of the best works of art are kind of like that. Yeah. You can't listen to like a lot of Bob Dylan's lyrics without, if, if you, if you listen hard enough for there, there's a lot of humor in there or like, you know, Leonard Cohen or, you know, there's all kinds of these people that people think of as like, deep poets and they are but there's also like they're also hilarious and sometimes people i I can't even imagine driving around you know in my bmw listening to leonard cohen and not laughing my head off you know (laughs) like it's just it it seems at least occasionally you know but do you think but but it's is it also like humor and music, uh, subtle humor. I got. I went off on a tangent. I'm no, sorry. no, you didn't. No, no. It's all. It's all totally good. But like that kind of thing is, um, huh? You used the word. I think you used the word disruptive or distracting or something for the audience. I don't know what word I use, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like they feel like they're being drawn out of the the, the emotional intensity or something. Yeah, but it's interesting because people find that those kinds of things so engaging um, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there there's an equal. Well, maybe not equal. There's a whole other group of people who find it really welcoming, and 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 they, I think, people are able to like appreciate the balance of of like being able to laugh a little and then have a sort of a poignant moment or whatever. Yeah, laugh, cry, whatever. You know, the full experience. It's that full spectrum of experience, like I was talking about. You yeah, know? I I just but I I just sometimes wonder if I it's just not- think you just have to get. Maybe uh, for me, I just have to get good enough at it, at the bal- getting the balance right, so that no, I mean, my goodness, find it entertaining, you know. There's a line on your last album, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but it's something like, um, uh, "Who are all the dudes that you mention? Is it Picasso? No, it's <laughs> Mozart, Debussy, and Brahms. If yeah. born at the right time, they would have all driven Trans Ams. That's so, that's close a, enough. Yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. the first one? Uh, do you even remember? Well, I just haven't sung that song in a really <laughs> long time. And if you've ever seen me live, you know I have a forgetting problem. Anyway, there's just like, that's a brilliant sort of... Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky and Mozart, WC and Brahms. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Born at the right time, they would have driven Trans Amps. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's like such an amazing line. And and I and I heard it, and when I first heard it, I'm like, did you just... I had to go back to it. Yeah. Like, did you just say that? 
And that's, My, I, for me, the funniest part is, is saying Brams, pronouncing it Brams. Yeah. I think that's like the funniest joke. Right. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's just, so you kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what my point is, but I do, I do think it's interesting that you're an artist that, because I'm kind of obsessed with this. Um, That's a dark song too. It's like a I know. pretty sad song. It is. Um, uh, but I, I am kind of obsessed recently with the kind of um, conflation of comedy and music that's mm-hmm. been happening a lot. Me too. Um, do you have any take on it? Like this idea of like, in particular, like in sort of like a physical manifestation, you're seeing a lot of comedians enter the realm of music mm-hmm. and on, that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. But more interestingly, uh, musicians are entering the realm of comedy. What, what's your take on that? What is the relationship between these two um, expressions uh, of trying to make people laugh and trying to engage them in song? Yeah. Um, I don't really know, but I've always been a big fan of the the people who sort of do both really really effortlessly you know like jonathan richmond is is an example of someone who is like that but i think i think the 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 two like um those two things share a lot of similarities like they they all have to do they're all like performance based not all i mean you make records in both of them too but there's a there's a performance and there's like a there's sort of a time there's like a perfect recipe of like time management and timing and yeah. uh attention span so like you know like rock or pop or folk songs or whatever tend to be around you know three to five minutes or whatever and i think comedy is the same thing there's like you're on stage and you've got this like window and you have to balance it right and you, but you want to entertain people and and the best comedians are always a little bit heavy and a little bit pensive too and the best musicians there's a little bit of humor behind what they're doing you know i mean even like even kiss you know like that that shit's hilarious yeah no it is you know and they know it's hilarious and they're having a great time doing it i mean i'm not even a particularly a fan but the point is that kind of it, i think it's the fact that it's a performance-based entertainment thing and the traveling is very it's like a similar lifestyle like the sort of like you know one night stand place you know like you play one city one night and the next day the next night you know like whereas if you're like you know in the ballet or something you tend to go to a place for a week and then you know it's like a it's a very different type of performing art so they have a kinship in that sense yeah that's true that's true i mean in terms of process it's almost there's microphones and pas and spotlights yeah. and set times and set lists and all that kind of stuff and so. all the practitioners have the same relationships to each other too like they they all kind of lo- know each other and love each other yeah. and there's all this like congratulating and back slapping and then there's all kinds of like bitterness and competition and fighting and insane competition yeah you know and comedians are famous for that but it's like i think like the two uh modes of expression are pretty like pretty tied i think well, it they're seems both natural that they, you know, they're they're both interested in each other. Yeah, but there's also this like welling up of personal stuff. Yeah, that is being expressed. Yeah, it's all perspective, but it's all coming from a very perspe- per- personal uh, mm-hmm. place. And I just that it intrigues me. But that's the other similarity. It's like uh, you're a persona, 
and it's a lot of it is you, but it's not exactly you. Yeah. And so unlike being in, you know, like a film or t- TV actor where you're definitely not you or you're a classical musician where you're not expressing your, you know, you're expressing yourself through your instrument, but you're doing somebody else's score or, you know, so many other art forms, um, even performance based ones are are so different but those two are really similar you're putting yourself on stage and you have to kind of act like yourself it's a heightened version of yourself yeah but you're not exactly yourself you right know? and 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 there's a weird difficult balance between how much of yourself you show and what's the right recipe for entertaining people and what's the right recipe for your own mental health right it's not quite kind of it's not quite theater yeah or acting yeah but it is a uh, an amplification of some mm-hmm. aspect of yourself, and there's lots of improvisation in, in in the in the at least in the good versions of yeah of those things. So yeah, they're really connected. It's yeah. it's interesting, and maybe I mean I've always been drawn to both, but I feel yeah, like there's been an explosion of interest in both recently, and yeah, whole festivals are taking over towns, and there's comedy stages at music festivals, and probably vice versa. I, I don't I don't know about that as much, but it, I think it's true. Speaking of personas and and figuring people out you have gone from snail house to michael fearstack yeah and that marks a a shift can you discuss this because i i think we talked about it briefly when you said you were going to do it and i said oh because like in my well i just because on on one level it's like i don't know i was just like to be cynical or clinical even you know branding is, is important but for you maybe you were trying to shake off the association with Snailhouse. I don't know. What, what, what's your take on it? I wasn't really trying to shake off anything. I think it just, well, there's the really short, simple answer is that I was just tired of that name. I didn't like saying it anymore. I didn't like the sound of it. Like I didn't hate it or anything. It was just, just didn't represent me. It felt, started feeling like, just, I was just hanging on to it because I had always called myself that. It's yeah, just yeah. like the worst kind of habit, you know? And so I just didn't want to anymore and I didn't have any other names lined up. So I just started using my name, but also, uh, um, it has to do with what you talked about earlier about wanting, like I've done, you know, I've had a long career so far of doing all kinds of different things and I wanted people to be able to find no, you know, know who I am in relation to all of those things as well as my own solo music. I don't want it to think, to to be in some separate uh, category, you know, like Snail House is this, and then he also does these things. I I I'd like for someone to be able to like look me up and find out everything I do, and so, mm-hmm. and and I think that that, in a, in even more importantly, all of those things, like you said earlier, are starting to like appear in what I do as my solo music. So, everything I did in the Wooden Stars and playing in Bell Orchestra, the Luyas, or playing with Angela Devoe, or producing records that I've done anything that I've done like that I think feeds what I do and so I like the I like having the opportunity to like make a change that makes people see it that way yeah and and uh the other big thing is I I felt that 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 change was happening something was changing in the music or in my relationship to music so I wanted to you know I made a really superficial change that so that people could listen with new ears they could you know the record comes you know your record your inbox you know <laughs> my record turns up in your inbox and you're like instead of being like oh another snail has record like how is this compared to the last one you're 
you know, your starting point will be, oh, why is this different from what psychologically it, what it does a thing? Yeah, what and 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 you know, I was talking about how I'm always worried about how I'm being perceived. Well, this is a way to sort of clean the slate. Yeah, and and for me artistically too, like I don't really play the sound house material now. I'm when I do shows, it's all like I wrote a whole new set and a new album, and I'm starting from zero again. Just creatively, that's like a really fun challenge. That's what I wanted to do. Huh. I'm not like rejecting that music. If somebody makes a request, I'll throw throw a song, you know, what in the set or whatever. It's not a problem, but I'm not trying to turn my back on anything I've done before. But if it, it was just personally a challenge to like have to create a whole new body of work, like comedians often do now. Comedians yeah. will yeah. often, you know, uh, the the best comedians now are like, I'm working on a set for a year. I yeah. record my special. Done. Yeah. You never hear me talk about that stuff right. again. So you are like a top tier comedian, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so you, <laughs> basically, is a great response to that <laughs> pronouncement. Um, <laughs> okay, well that's remarkable. So you've got—I didn't realize to the extent to which you know, on some level, it's a nominal change. Right. I didn't realize it was such a like psychological shift for you because yeah, I, I know no, you're really saying. Is. I didn't turn my back on, I'm not turning my back on it, but it does sound radical on some level. To For just... me it is, but I don't really expect the world to jump on board with that. Like, I don't think stylistically it's that different. And I don't think, you know, I'm still collaborating with a lot of the same people and I'm still doing my thing. And, you know, I don't, I think, it, you know, you'd have to be pretty deeply interested in what I do to to really pick up on those changes, which is why I wanted to do something radical on the outside to sort of signify. Yeah. Like, hey, people, maybe something's a little different now, or maybe not. Who knows? Okay. And I mean, definitely there are people like who are starting to hear of me now who'd never heard of Snail House. I mean, you can become blind to something if you hear it enough and you haven't happened to have, you know, exp uh, like explore. You know, if you heard the name Snail House uh, 20 times in passing and you never thought to check it out, after a while you stop hearing it, you know? And so, I mean, that's more of like a cynical kind of business way of thinking about it but there's there's also like a a side to that 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 i was you know to it can be a little bit frustrating that like people aren't hearing what i'm doing because i think it's just some yeah act that's been around forever yeah well, no you know? it's it's i, I think but I've, in my mind i've changed and done like you know new and exciting work every time i made a record you know and so it's probably the wisest freshest thing you could do to, uh, on some level uh hmm. and i'm i'm we'll see i'm glad you because on some level you're right you're hanging on it's either hang on to something because it's been there forever yeah. or just or depart and you, you you made a i think a bold decision yeah. to do that um when you have you figured out what you'll change your real name to <laughs> yet like if you had do you have a list of options to change your name from michael fierstack to something else that's a good question mm. oh what's oh man this is a perfect time for a joke that's now gone what? Well, there was that thing that the, the, I watched the Pearl Jam movie last night. Uh, <laughs> you know, they had that name that they used. What? It doesn't matter. No, I want to hear it. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't. We're going to oh, waste a lot of time. Okay, sorry. I, I sorry. can't think of it. There's a Pearl Jam, the Cameron Crowe Pearl Jam movie? Yeah. They talk about they had an old name and they changed it to Pearl no, Jam? No, no, like they used like a fake name at some point. Oh, oh okay. To play like a show or something? Yeah. No. It doesn't matter. No, that's... Uh, but it was somebody's name. Oh, somebody's actual name. Yeah. Okay, it just sounds vaguely familiar. I don't like follow a, Pearl like Jam. Like a basketball player or something? Maybe. Oh, that's right. Or was it Mookie Wilson? Yes, it was. The or, baseball player? No. No? Was it Mookie Wilson? 
Well, no, I think it was, it was a like basketball? it wasn't a real. It was like a hybrid kind of a thing. Okay, it was like a joke. I feel like with, I know this, and yeah. I'm, someone listening is going to be yelling at us right now. I'm I'm yelling at myself. Yeah, we're like, we're kind of yelling. This 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 is a crash and burn moment. I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not Mookie Blaylock, is it? Yes, yeah, it is. Mookie Blaylock. Yeah. Okay. For real? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Good done. But I might not go, run with that because I can't <laughs> seem to remember it. Uh, I don't have my phone. I yeah. took my phone away. I'll Google it's, this. Yeah, after. it's Mookie Blaylock. I'll, I'll Yahoo it. I'm trying to change Google to Yahoo, and no one's catching on. <laughs> I try to say like, "Why don't you Yahoo it?" <laughs> and no weird. one, no one likes it. Hmm. No one says like. Uh, in fact, someone once said, "I'll just use Google." <laughs> Which I thought was odd. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, uh, you've got uh, the new record. You're happy with the new record? Everything? You, you made it yourself? Is this an approach you're going to take uh, from here on in? No. Not necessarily. Um, but it's definitely a great option. Yeah. Like, I'll... You know, I can't make... I don't have a recording studio at home. I don't, you know, like, per se. I, I can't do, like, any type of record I want. I can do... A few different oh, I see. types of records that you know if i use my own home studio but uh you know it's never going to replace like being in a big space with live musicians and all that yeah. kind of stuff but uh definitely i'm always recording now now that i've done this it's like really opened the floodgates and there's always something on the burner i just finished a new record <laughs> of your own kind of oh I, it's it's a uh, it's an album that i've made of songs for other people to sing so it's all guest vocalist singer songer is the title singer songer yes okay and um so you've you're in the process of putting this record together and you i assume asked a bunch of people to participate can mm -hmm. you at least give us a sense of some of the people that you asked i mean you don't know what the final product's going to be <laughs> oh yes okay but uh is there some is can you just tell us some of the people that that may be may be appearing on it yes i can um, Angela DeVoe, uh -huh. Lee Fulbeck, Bri Webb, Jesse Stein, Devin Sproul, Laurel Sprenglemeyer, Cindy Lauper, Matthias Com. Matthias Com, good man. And there's one more. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Okay, that's no, amazing. Charlton Heston. He is. That's a posthumous um, appearance. That's so I can't remember who I like. I'm, I can remember them all. I just can't remember what I've already said. Are you reaching for your defibrillator? Uh, what do you? Yeah, my defibrillator. <laughs> uh, no, that's amazing. That sounds like a great yeah, gotta, uh, collection of people. Look at the list. Could, John K. Sampson. John K. Sampson. That's great. Of course, yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. These are all people that obviously respect your work and uh, your your writing. And are these uh, so these are brand new songs. Oh, you wrote for all, they all said yes. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Are these brand new songs you wrote for them, or is it a historical? Brand new, and I n won't be singing them myself necessarily. Ever? No, I mean it's not like a hard, you know, policy or anything. But like, there's a chance that you know I might fall in love with an alternate arrangement of one of these songs and put it on one of my records in the future or something. But, but no, the idea was to like write a song with that person in mind, nice, and get them to get them to sing it. That's cool. That's great. I it's mean, a good record. You've it's had, gonna be cool. It's that sounds yeah. that sounds nice. And did you do that mostly in your apartment? Yeah, and um, Jeremy played drums on it. So I w I went to the first step was I went to his house and played him the sketches, and he played drums and we recorded it. Then I brought it home and did it there. And I have a few instrumental guests on it too, and then all the vocal all the vocalists. That's great. Yeah. So you're doing well. I think so. I think so. <laughs> 
And you're yourself. You're Michael Fierstack. Yeah, I'm me now. You're me now, yeah. finally. Yeah. Mike, it's great to talk to it's you. It's great to talk to you. I'm I'm glad we spent this time together doing me this. Me too. I learned things that I didn't know, which is always me good. too. No, you didn't. You didn't learn a thing. Maybe. You learned about syrup in your coffee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if we were to go to a song from uh, Tambourine Deathbed, could we do, could we do that? Could we play a song? Yeah. What song? Let's do um, Leave Me Alone just because we talked about it. Okay. And then people can apply everything we talked about to the listening experience. To, to that. Yeah. Okay. Leave Me Alone, Michael Fierstack. Mike, yeah. always a pleasure. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Show you all. 
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.